Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about fearful avoidant attachment, which is called disorganized attachment in kids. And um, obviously, you should have listened to my Attachment Styles podcast by now, so you could go back and refer to that one. I did not include this attachment style because it's not as common as the other ones. It is mostly in abused kids, and I will talk about how it manifests and what you could do about it uh, right after I tell you to subscribe, because next one will be a subscriber-only episode. Um, I was going to make this one a subscriber-only episode, but I felt like this information should be um, for everybody because uh, some people really are misclassifying themselves, and that's why uh, their therapy isn't really working. Not every therapist can um, is aware of attachment styles, and you also may be presenting real differently in therapy, do you know, compared to how you really are, etc. So, if you're somebody who likes to learn about themselves, and your relationships are very difficult, and you struggle with self-esteem issues, then you need to listen to this one. My last subscriber-only episode was about stay-at-home moms and when doing when staying at home with kids makes you feel more depressed. Uh, and the next one will be whatever I decide to talk about tomorrow. <laughs> so please do subscribe and uh, join my Facebook group too, which is where I get a lot of these topics from. You could get more interaction with me and with other people that are similar to yourself in that they like me. (laughs) All right. So fearful avoidant attachment, when you do the strange situation that I talk about in the uh, other podcast um, on attachment styles, which is subscribers. So you would have to subscribe to get that one. Um, these kids act, um, very strange. Like they act like they start to like cover their head and like rock or like just totally dissociate. And they, they just don't act in any of the stereotypical ways of either the avoidant or the preoccupied babies because they have learned to associate a parent with fear. And this is a real sad situation, and um, thankfully it's not that common for children to be badly abused and neglected. Um, It's not as common, certainly, as for a kid just to be a little bit ignored sometimes, and, you know, or to, I mean, not that that's not, like, bad to end up with an avoidant attachment style because a parent is kind of cold, or to end up with a preoccupied attachment because the parent isn't as always as warm as you want, but that stuff is not as bad as being abused and or neglected. And a fearful avoidance style in adulthood looks like somebody with... So so it it can mask... it, It can be masked by... Um, either somebody who's more fearful, who would look attachment, anxious attachment, or more, uh, avoidant, who would act avoidant, kind of, but only if you don't interrogate how they deeply feel about themselves and the world. So here's how you can tell. If you have a lot of avoidant behaviors, but you have really low self-esteem to the point that you think that you're unlovable, then you're likely fearful avoidant, not just avoidant. Avoidant people think they're pretty good. <laughs> they think they're pretty great. You know, they think that they're pretty awesome. And they just don't understand why their partner's always up their ass about wanting them to change because they're pretty good. And in fact, they think things like, man, I shouldn't be in this fucking relationship. I'll be in a relationship with somebody who appreciates me, goddammit. You know, like, I'm a pretty good guy slash I'm a pretty great woman. And, you know, like, what the fuck? That's more like how avoidant attachment people feel. They're like, I just want to do my own thing. Is that so bad? Like, shouldn't everybody have hobbies and interests and stuff? Like, what the fuck? You know, like, that's kind of their, they have more of an aggrieved, irritated stance. They don't get 
angry, like real angry super often. And they definitely don't get jealous or controlling or um, things like like that where they become very fearful that a partner is going to leave them. They do. They are not fearful that a partner would leave them. They are not fearful of not getting another partner. They are fine on their own. And they, they don't really think that relationships are honestly quite that important as everybody makes them out to be. And as I discussed, the origin of this, uh, the origin of this avoidant attachment style is a home where there is not a lot of emotional comfort given. So you learn to be overly self-reliant. In a preoccupied attachment style, as discussed, uh, you overemphasize the need for a relationship but you still do not at your core feel extremely unlovable. You think you are pretty lovable, but you just want this person to see it. God damn it. You know, why can't, why can't my husband just see that it would be so much more fun for us to lay together on the couch watching movies all weekend than for him to go golfing? Can't he see how fun that would be? You know, I'm pretty fun. I would make all sorts of funny remarks about the TV show. <laughs> you know, like that's like how a woman with pre occupied attachment might feel without understanding um, that the guy just wants a little time to himself. Like she would take that more personally. However, a woman with fearful avoidant um, that started out as disorganized as a child. So a woman with fearful avoidant attachment style, um, she would get extremely enraged and or she would think that he was cheating on her, not just going to golf, or she would pretend not to care at all, but secretly be seething and feel like uh, she's going to go cheat on him to show him, you know, who's boss. So there's all sorts of like histrionics and deep core issues in in somebody with a disorganized or fearful avoidant attachment due to the abusive or neglectful upbringing and also in that situation by the way with the woman who just wants to watch tv um the the fearful avoidant woman in that situation if he actually came and watched tv with her the whole weekend she would start to push away most likely so that's the other but because he's showing too much love in that situation and the core feeling of somebody with fearful avoidant attachment is that they're unlovable so it's kind of this idea of you don't want to be part of any club who would want you for a member so there's a big push pull you were trained as a kid the people with this attachment style were trained as kids to think of themselves as unlovable they were directly told in very ways that they were unlovable, stupid, unattractive, um, worthless, and they were yelled at and they were punished or they were just neglected physically uh, and emotionally. And when nobody, and when somebody forgets to feed you, you start to think real quick that you're not that important. Uh, When somebody uh, beats you, when somebody screams at you and berates you, then it's really hard to think of yourself as lovable. So that's when you end up sadly with this attachment style. This attachment style is, uh, is the one in borderline personality. So you could go back to my narcissist borderline podcast. So people with borderline have this, I hate you, don't leave me feeling this push pull. So they want real bad to be in a relationship, but they can never trust that anybody loves them and will be there for them forever. They become obsessed with the idea of a partner leaving or a partner changing in some way, a partner not loving them anymore. It feels very ephemeral and fleeting to get somebody's love because of the unpredictability that they had at home. So this isn't, so in preoccupied attachment, a parent vacillates between being warm and loving and not really very 
present, you know, either physically or emotionally. They are overwhelmed by maybe depression or maybe substance abuse or something. So they kind of go between being warm and loving and really kind of not being there. But it, in um, in disorganized, it's way worse. The parent vacillates between um, very infrequently warm and loving, not at all, really. So they vacillate more between neutral and terrible. <laughs> you know, like it's it's uh, it, there there are no. These are the people who, when you're like, what were the good parts of your growing up? What what was a good memory of you and your dad? They're like, I, 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 don't, I don't have any. Like people, you know, like I don't have one good memory of me and my dad or me and my mom. Of course, it's better when you got good memories of one parent and that can be a buffer, you know, but if you have bad memories of both or even just of one, particularly if it was a primary, but I mean, have it, listen, your mom could have been the primary caretaker, but if your dad came in like hell on wheels, drunk and beat the shit out of you every so often, well, you're probably going to have a disorganized attachment style, no matter uh, how much your mother tried to protect you because Honestly, she kept you there. So you did learn that the world was an unpredictable place and you were not very lovable or worthwhile because if you were, somehow you would be saved from this shit happening to you all the time. And this again, this is, there, there's a big difference between uh, you can't always count on your dad to be supportive, which sucks, sure, that sucks, and you can't always count on your dad to not hit you in the face you know, and a break, break, break a bone or leave a mark and or anybody with sexual abuse ends up usually with this attachment style because that's like the ultimate humiliation on top of abuse and people who did not get fed and did not get cleaned and did not um, had, you know, hoarding bugs in the house, uh, animals, uh, infestation, like children that were taken out of homes or should have been taken out of their homes if Child Protective Services would have known what was going on. Um, parents uh, who are scared of their children getting taken from the home because they know on some level that the, um, that the house is so crazy in some way or another will frequently tell the children not to tell anybody what goes on in their house. And then this even makes a child feel even more in a no-win situation because the parent usually terrifies them in some way, saying, oh, you'll get taken out, you'll, you'll, your daddy will go to jail if you tell anybody, you know, or I will, or, or somehow you'll end up w with people who don't love you. You know, like there's all sorts of crazy shit that goes on. And if you, if any of this stuff resonates with you, then you likely have a disorganized attachment style if you have not been through enough therapy to already know how to do this podcast podcast yourself, <laughs> you know, and most people haven't because if they think that they're worthless, quite honestly, then um, unless they have really, really decided to tackle that, usually they don't think that they're worth going to therapy. And sometimes they interact with the wrong types of therapists who are not trained in complex trauma. And then therapy turns into just shooting the shit with your therapist. You can refer back to my podcast on that too. But anyway, how do you then work on this attachment style? Well, the first uh, step is to acknowledge that you have it, that you are, um, you know, constantly have these feelings of never being enough, being completely worthless, um, that nobody will ever love you, that you have to kind of trap somebody into loving you and then be hyper vigilant that they never leave you, you know, and of course that's how it manifests in control or jealous behaviors because you feel like, oh my God, I finally got somebody there, you know, of course. I'm not worthwhile them staying with me just for me. So I got to watch them like a hawk, make sure that they're always loving me enough, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, but anyway, understanding this attachment style and that it comes from an abusive and neglectful childhood and then that's not your fault at all, that there's no way for a child to survive a traumatic childhood without uh, erecting defenses. And one such defense is an extremely argumentative, difficult, controlling, rigid style where they feel that they are protecting themselves at all costs and will never be uh, humiliated again. This goes, um, I talked about the humiliation idea and scarcity mindset, and there's a lot of overlap. Children that were in abusive or neglectful homes always have scarcity mindset because they did not have enough love, consistency, sometimes food, and um, I mean, it's sad, like uh, very basic things. So um, anyhow, Trauma-focused therapy can really help with this. So DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, that's not just for borderline personality. Although, as I said, there is a big overlap between borderline personality and having had extensive childhood trauma like this. Or, um, I mean, some people uh, like to use EMDR. Uh, There's all sorts of modalities. But the reality is that the therapeutic alliance is more of a predictor of success than any individual modality for most things. Although there is enough treatment outcome research on certain things that we do know that there are effects of certain um, modalities being better than others, but only for very specific things, such as like OCD and um, simple phobia. Simple means like a phobia of one thing, like I am scared of a spider. You could have lots of simple phobias, but it's like um, one thing that you are scared of. So those do better with exposure therapy with response prevention, which I've written about a lot. Um, and, and generally, anxiety does better with therapy with an exposure component, but this can be any really sort of therapy that has that. EMDR, you're talking about your trauma, so it has an exposure component, um, which may be what's going on you know, to help, although the people who love it say that it's also the eye movements. It, EMDR means eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy, and it was... Um, it's 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 uh, when I was starting out in grad school, it was just starting out. So um, there hadn't been so much data then. There's data now that says that it can be helpful in some ways. But it, it, again, anything with an exposure component um, is generally helpful because then you're kind of moving the traumatic memories from your brainstem, in a sense, to your frontal lobe. You're integrating the traumatic memories into the uh, narrative of your life. This is a key component to dealing with any sort of PTSD. So really, the way that you got to think of disorganized attachment so that you can give yourself a break, you know, and not judge yourself for it, is it's PTSD from a shitty, shitty childhood where you got a lot of, of, of abuse and neglect that you didn't deserve, that no child deserves, that then infiltrated your core belief system, making you feel that you're deeply unlovable and you have to kind of attack in the world in order to get your needs met. You know, otherwise you will be abused and neglected again. And those core beliefs are extremely, um, you know, they're, they're hard to change unless you know for sure that you are targeting them. And then you can work assiduously on, on targeting and changing them and on engaging differently in your relationships currently so that you don't set them up to fail um, in a self-fulfilling prophecy. So many people with this attachment style will then be so difficult, controlling, argumentative, um, etc., because two things, A, on some level deeply, they think that it would be better to end the relationship now 
in some way than to have the person, in theory, choose to end it later. So then at least, at least if you're a huge asshole, then you're in charge of why your relationship ended. It doesn't like come to you unpredictably in the future. Um, and two, they are continuously activated, right? So they're basically having like uh, traumatic flashbacks all the time, right? So if, if you are not in charge, like, so, so they're not really, um, so why are they being such a, a jerk? They're in fight or flight mechanism, in fight or flight all the time. So whenever something happens that triggers them um, to think of their early upbringing, not consciously, which they try to do as little as possible, but any sort of interaction in which they feel uh, unlovable or less than or inadequate, which is going to be most interactions if, if you've been a traumatized child that's now an adult, um, you go on the attack in a fight or flight mode. And some people do fight, flight, or freeze. They do one of the three and that's not working in your relationships so you can learn alternate ways to respond you know and once you try to learn these alternate ways to respond and they start to work better for you and your relationships start to be calmer then that feeling of mastery and pride can you know move you forward to trying the next difficult thing which would be let's say fighting differently or um, being more generous and open it's real hard for somebody with disorganized attachment to be generous or open, they feel like a fool. They feel like if they're going to be generous and open, somebody's just going to walk all over them and shit on them, just like what happened in their entire life. So then, but, but they very rarely see that they're coming at things in this very closed off, um, difficult way because they perceive themselves as the victim in the situation frequently because they always were a victim. So it's an adaptive way to think when you're a kid and you're a victim that you're a victim. I mean, shit, like that's pretty normal to think. But then when you're an adult and you haven't fully worked through these issues, you perceive that you're a victim in, in every situation because this is how you were trained to think. It's, an, it's a leftover. So uh, in situations, if you feel victimized fairly constantly, you're going to go on the attack. That makes sense to you, given your conception of what's going on. But to a partner who isn't victimizing you, uh, because adults don't really victimize each other, victimization is something that happens with an imbalance you know, of power. So if there's no real... Um, imbalance of power because two people are choosing to be together in an intimate relationship. There's no, um, one person keeping the other person there with a gun to their head, you know, then, um, a, a partner will will obviously chafe against being posited as, as a perpetrator or reacted to as though they are victimizing you when they're not and they themselves may feel victimized by you, you know, because your attack behaviors, which you're doing to defend yourself in their mind, you're not defending yourself against anything at all because they're not attacking you. And so you see how this would happen. So anyhow, um, deep insight-oriented psychotherapy uh, targeting your childhood trauma as well as your current lack of self-regulation skills, because these are the people that fly off the handle, because uh, they saw that all the time as a kid. It's hard not to fly off the handle as an adult if your role models for how to behave as an adult were always fucking yelling and screaming and acting crazy and threatening stuff and being violent.
So if that's what you saw, it was burned into your brain. And even if you don't want to respond that way, sometimes you just cannot help yourself, particularly if you're stressed and you're stressed all the fucking time because you grew up like shit. So have some compassion for yourself. You know, you're stressed all the time because everything that other people think is normal um, and automatic, such as, oh, my child just walked in the door. What do I do? Well, shit, a lot of people just do what they saw growing up. They say, hi, honey, how was your day? But what if you're a kid who came home and your mom said, oh, fuck, you're home, fuck, oh, God, because she was in the middle of, like, snorting coke, you know, or she was passed out drunk and you made a noise and woke her, or she was, like, completely OCD and was cleaning constantly and you messed something up and she was going to smack you. There's like a million, a million terrible things that could have happened if your child who experienced trauma in this way. And none of them include a parent looking up and saying, hi, honey, you're home. How was your day? So for you to do that is, is hard. <laughs> it's hard for you to remember to do that and to be normal. It takes less and less um, over time when you practice it'll get more and more natural but think about it you're always using more energy than the average person because you're having to learn what's normal so then um, everything else in your day is more stressful because you're always having to figure out what normal is which is something that other people know automatically so you got to cut yourself some slack and Use the self-compassion that is mobilized perhaps by listening to me talk right now and reach out to a therapist and say, I think that I want to deal with my abusive childhood and how it impacts my relationships. You know, I think I have disorganized attachment or fearful avoidant attachment. That's what you would say to a therapist so that everything is out on the table and your natural ways of trying to kind of deflect and, um, you know... Uh, chafe against the therapist because they're a person too. So you're going to have transference. If you think they're trying to shape you or move you or whatever, you may be like kind of slippery in the session, you know? So, and that may have been historically what's happened in therapy sessions for, with people with this is that they start to perceive the therapist as either useless or as an attacker in some way. And then they don't really share the depth of how they feel uh, on a regular basis. So then the therapist is thwarted and how they could help. And then they think the therapist is just useless like everybody else. And like it goes into a vicious cycle. But if you come out with, I really think I had an abusive childhood and I want to work on it because I think that I have this real, um, difficult way of interacting with people and I even think that I have this fearful avoidant attachment style then that will really be a better step for you and the therapist and can set you up for more success in subsequent therapy all right hopefully this was useful and I will talk to y'all soon